subject? The curiosity of a child. What? Oh, do you know who that was? Uh, not quite. Well, that was us being compared to Leonardo da Vinci by podcasting legend Ray Harris Jr. Nice. Yeah. Well, I actually might be stretching the truth a little bit there. Um, but I couldn't believe when I was listening to the latest episode of the Renaissance Times by Cam and Ray that um, Ray name dropped us. <laughs> did he? <laughs> he did, yeah. Um, it's actually a really, really good podcast, um, but it's not for kids. So that's probably why you don't know who it was. <laughs> very, very rude. But you should go listen to it if you um, like your Renaissance history. And if you're above 18. Uh, yes, definitely. And thank you very much to Cam for giving us permission to use the clip. I think he was a bit surprised when I said it would be name dropped. <laughs> and a belated happy birthday to Ray. Anyway, this episode, I played a massive stink filled with death and illness. And I look into the problems of plastic pollution. But first, we are two years old. Can you believe that? It doesn't feel like that. No, no, not at all. Um, and in that time, we've had listeners from places as far afield as Nepal and Namibia, Brazil and Bulgaria. And India to Israel. Yeah, people all over the world have had us in their ears. <laughs> and it seems lots of people love us because our reviews have had an average of 4.9 out of 5. So thank you very much. And in our time podcasting, we have chatted to Conquer Cup. The leader in nut-based gaming. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also interviewed the incredible Dr. George McGavin. And that was all thanks to a tweet about us watching a documentary about sewage, which will be rather topical today. Mm-hmm. We've also been invited to join the That's Not Canon podcasting network, which is really cool. So we're in a little community of podcasters now, some great shows there. And I've started a YouTube channel called The Curiosity of Gaming. Yes, you have. But the big one, we won not one, but two highly commended awards at the 2021 My Raidcast competition. There are over 1,500 entries, and somehow we floated to the surface. Mm-hmm. A bit like a turd. <laughs> <laughs> Very topical again. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of competitions, we launched a range of incredibly sexy and stylish, a bit like me, merchandise. And we want to give some away. That's right, yes we do. All you have to do is review us, ideally on Apple Podcasts, then get in touch on Twitter at QHRPod or email hello at thecuriosityofachild.com. Or you can visit our website where we've got contact links. And just let us know where we can find a review and you never know, we might be sending you something. Or you could just look at the merchandise shop yourself. That is a very good point, <laughs> yes, at shop.thecuriosityofachild.com. Bing! And finally, lots of love to all the wonderful people in the podcasting community who've been so supportive. And um, yeah, it's been a brilliant two years so far, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, enough with all that waffle. Shall we get on with the show? On with the show. Right, Anton. What is the most disgusting, terrible, putrid, awful, just ugh, smell you've ever experienced? Don't tell me what it is, just think about it, okay? And at home, make sure you're doing the same, please. Now I want you to take a deep breath in your mind. Remember what it was like. How did it make you feel? What kind of sensations did it cause? Not nice and a little bit like, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, could you tell me what you're thinking about? I was talking... I, I was thinking about... Mm-hmm. The, um... Um... A blocked drain pipe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, not a nice smell, is it? No. I'm glad it wasn't um, something more like me that you're thinking about, so thank you very much. <laughs> so do you think a smell could be enough to kill you? Do you think that any smell could kill? I don't think so. Well, it was once held that foul odours spread deadly diseases and plagues. Breathing tainted air would fill your lungs with illness, and you'll be the next soul destined for the grave. <gasps> Miasma theory, as it was known, was popularised by Hippocrates in the 4th century BCE, and he's known as the father of medicine. Now, a modern version of his Hippocratic Oath, which is a, like a set of ethical standards mm-hmm. um, for practitioners, practitioners in medicine, uh, it's still part of the swearing-in process for medical graduates in many countries, and uh, breaking it can be illegal. So he was a very, very influential guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Kind of the belief in miasma lasted for many thousands of years. Actually, I've got a picture here for you, which we have in the show notes. This is an 1831 depiction of cholera by Robert Seymour. So can you describe that picture? What's what's it look like? To me, it looks like quite a large skeleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's lots of, uh, I think, soldiers... Trying yeah. to fight the skeleton uh, near the bottom of the picture, uh, but quite a few of them are dead, but because of a bad smell. Yeah, as you can see, it's emitting this deadly black cloud from it as well, mm. and it's kind of uh, in a shawl. This was a visual representation of um, miasma. But why do you think people believed that such sort of strong or foul smells could kill? I think it was because they didn't like it, or maybe people um, passed out because of it. And they thought they were dead. Yeah, or if you think of, I don't know, if you've got some, I don't know, rotting flesh. <laughs> I don't want to say flesh. Or just... Um, something rotting. Yeah, something rotting. That, that's going to be an area where disease is going to sort of spread, isn't it? So yeah. you would associate, oh, people get ill around this area and there's also this smell. And rotting kind of is dying as well. <laughs> yeah. Now, my asthma, the word, comes from ancient Greek and actually means pollution. And the idea also goes into malaria, which is probably the biggest killer in human history. And that is from Italian, and it literally means bad air. Okay, it's the height of summer, 1858. Great Britain rules the world with an empire upon which the sun never sets. The British are the pinnacle of civilization, and London, the largest city in the world with nearly three million inhabitants. It's a jewel in Queen Victoria's crown. But there's a problem. It stinks. It absolutely reeks of sewage and waste. Oh. And with that, the spread of diseases, such as cholera, is rampant. Thousands in London were struck down by miasma, bad air, as it was still believed to be the dominant cause of the spread of disease. Okay, Anton, do you want us to fire up the time machine and go visit stinky London? Or would you just rather listen to the story from the safety of 2021? I want to go to the stink, but, <laughs> okay. but we, might have to, <laughs> we might have to bring some sort of um, uh, perfume or something to help us when we come back. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint you. We're not going to the stinky London. Oh, we didn't have any perfume thing. <laughs> no, sorry. 
The smell of which I speak was so bad that it became known as the Great Stink. The summer of 1851 was hot, very, very hot. Temperatures in London reached up to 48 degrees Celsius. It's 118 for our American listeners, so that's ridiculously warm. Mm-hmm. Combined with a period of drought, this caused the level of the River Thames to drop and it exposed the banks and on them the build-up of raw sewage that was being pumped into the water. And that was baked in the incessant hot sun. The Rot- way... Rotting poo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And other things that would have been in there like, um, I know, cuttings from vegetables and all sorts and dead rats that got washed down and just, just filth, yeah? Mm-hmm. And the waste of several million people piling up, thick, sticky and full of danger. It's a pleasant topic, isn't it? And there was an article in the Illustrated London News around that time which commented, We can colonise the remotest ends of the earth. We can conquer India. We can pay the interest on the most enormous debt ever contracted. We can spread our name and our fame and our fructifying wealth. I think I pronounced that wrong. To every part of the world. But we cannot clean the River Thames. That's that's true. Mm Mm-hmm. So do you think that this might have been a bit of an inspiration for the River Ankh in Terry Pratchett's Discworld? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so as I said, with the smell came deadly disease and cholera had ripped the city. This wasn't the first time such an event had occurred, though. The first was in 1832, when over 6,500 people died of the disease. A second outbreak in 1848 claimed twice as many lives. And another one in 1853-54, another 10,000 people perished. And cholera actually came from India, so it would have been brought back. So we may have conquered India, but we brought cholera back with us. <laughs> Punishment for our uh, colonialism. So do you know what cholera is? Uh, I'm not sure. Do you want to find out? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a really nasty disease caused by the Vibio cholerae cerebrup O1 bacterium, which I've probably butchered there, and today it still kills an estimated 95,000 people worldwide every year. I think it's 2 million people get infected every year as well. And it causes acute diarrhoea and infection to the intestines, and people basically poo themselves to death. (laughs) Not very pleasant. And with that, your body rapidly loses all of its fluids, and from the time of infection to death can only be hours. It's, It's terrifying. Deadly. Yeah, yeah, really, really horrible. An 1848 letter to the Times from somebody who lived in London stated, We live in mock and filth. We ain't got no privets, no dustbins, no water supplies, and no drain or sewer in the old place. If cholera comes, Lord help us. So people living in fear. <laughs> Judging by the spelling there, I don't think that was um, kind of a rich aristocrat or anything. That was the common people were living in fear. But the biggest victims, though, were poor old Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, who had to cut one of their river cruises short. (gasps) I know. Despite having a scented handkerchief for protection, the Queen ordered the boat turned around after only a few minutes. Oh, dear. Poor, poor thing. Now, the problem was London and its sewers were at breaking point. So bad was the Thames that Punch magazine um, actually personified the filth as Father Thames. So I've got a lovely woodcut illustration here. So uh, what does that show? Um, 
Father Thames introducing his offspring to the first city of London. Yeah, it's a picture of some rather grotesque children, <laughs> isn't it, who uh, mm -hmm. have emerged from the sewer. Oh, what's that? Funny dead beach at the bottom. It looks like a mix between, like, a beaver and a rat. It does. That's odd. <laughs> the second image, and both will be in the show notes, shows super scientist Michael Faraday giving his card to Father Thames. Now, he had actually written to the Times newspaper in 1855. Seeing the state of the river, Faraday dropped pieces of paper into it to test the degree of opacity. That's how well you can see through the water, yeah? yeah. Kind of how clear it is. His findings? Near the bridges, the fistulants rolled up into clouds so dense that they were visible at the surface. Even in the water of this kind, the smell was very bad and common to the whole water. It was the same as that which comes up from gully holes in the streets. The whole river was for a time a real sewer. <laughs> so the water's coming up into the streets as well. It's pretty nasty, eh? Mm -hmm. So how would you stop this horrible smell? How do you defeat miasma? How do you? <laughs> Easy. You just cover the smell with something else. A bit like spraying deodorant on a horrible sweaty body. <laughs> I mean, why wash when you can just spray over the top? <laughs> now, the newly constructed Houses of Parliament, they sit right on the banks of the River Thames, don't they? I think you've seen them, haven't you? Yep. And when the stench became so strong that those within were unable to work, they decided to douse the curtains in chloride of lime. Before that, they probably tried putting, like, pegs on their noses. But they probably could have... Order! Order! <laughs> they probably That's could have, um... Tasted the... The sewer instead. Yeah, you could probably taste it in the air, that's right. I hadn't thought of that. Oh. Um, but when that failed, they started to dump the stuff and loads of other chemicals directly into the River Thames itself. The problem was what they were chucking in the water was also poisonous. And this is the same water that people drink from. Mm -hmm. I remember something from mm -hmm. Horrible Histories. Mm -hmm. uh, there was, they um, showed what you just said about covering the curtains uh, with the lime thing. Yeah. Um, but they also did one where a parent was saying, like, oh, uh, did you wash your hands? Um, and then the child nodded, but then they they were very clean. So then the parent said, no, you didn't. And then they came back down with, like, poo and <laughs> Of course, yeah. But, and then the parent was like, oh, that's better. Well done, yeah. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> But it seems that Parliament weren't particularly interested um, in doing anything about cleaning up the Thames. And a Conservative MP said, Her Majesty's government has nothing whatsoever to do with the state of the Thames. However, by the end of the June, the stink was getting rather intolerable. And they were all but compelled to legislate upon the great London nuisance by the force of sheer stench. And they promptly rushed through a new law in just 18 days to modernise the sewer system. Ooh. And the Times wrote of this. Proximity to the source of the stench concentrated their attention on courses in a way that many years of argument and campaigning had failed to do. Such as Michael Faraday saying, look, got a problem here. And this <laughs> river is disgusting. So here's another illustration of one of those sewer workers with his bucket of lime, which he'd be pouring into the water supply to try and uh, clean it up. Smell, yeah. Exactly. Now, the sewers of London, they'd actually already started to be modernised and the 1844 Building Act states that any new properties built in the city had to be connected to the sewer system and not to a cesspool. 
So traditionally, most buildings would have had a cesspit or they would have dumped their waste nearby or tucked it in their cellars and things, as you mm-hmm. would have seen on various TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so Samuel Pepys, um, he wrote in his diaries of once entering his cellar and he stood in something mocky down there. I think it was a shared cellar with his neighbour. Um, so there was actually people called gong farmers and their job. Oh, yeah. Do you know them? I've heard of them. Yeah. What do they do? They um th- their literal job was to collect poo. Yeah. And um, that they also collected some off the streets. I think in Tudor times they like th- they like throw it out the window. Maybe there were <laughs> farmers then as mm. well who would collect it. That's right. And um, so they would then collect it, take it out of the city, and it'd be sold maybe as fertilizer for the fields or generally disposed of. Mm-hmm. And it actually got paid a lot for doing this because it was such a horrible job, far more than the average citizen of London. However, some of the cesspools were really small and children would be sent down to clean them. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine doing that? No. It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably better cleaning chimneys. Although, actually, I was about to say the risks are probably lower, but about what I've heard recently, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think either one's very favourable. Um, and they do this job at night time, um, in the dark. <laughs> And But due to all the gases such as methane, which is explosive, mm-hmm. obviously you could use no lights because it would be naked flames back then. And you'd actually have other explosions around the city from the gases escaping from uh, like the pipework underground <laughs> as well. Um, War zone. <laughs> yeah, really horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Now there's one gong farmer who, rather than disposing of the effluence, pulled it down a drain instead. And he was caught doing this, and they had these big pipes that they would used for mm-hmm. sucking up or clearing or whatever it was. And he was put in one of his pipes up to his neck in all the muck, and then he was um, publicly displayed with a sign next to him telling of his crime to make sure nobody else would do it. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, they, they got paid quite a lot, so it wasn't a cheap job. Uh, to get done and then as the city grew they had to travel further and further out and there was obviously more work to be done Mm -hmm. so a lot of the landlords and people they actually stopped paying for this as a service so there's just even more of a build-up of poo everywhere Mm. (laughs) yeah because obviously if you're not being paid you're not doing it (laughs) yeah so obviously getting a good modern sewer system was essential and of course getting rid of the smell faster meant escaping the deadly miasma faster But there's one really big problem with the early sewers that were built, and that is that the Thames is a tidal river. And do you know what that means? It goes up and down. Yeah, with the tides. So what's going to happen then? Uh, It's going to go up with all the poo and then leave all the poo there. Exactly, yes. It comes back down. A bit like in city skylines, if you put your outlets to the wrong place, Uh they end up feeding into your water supply. Or you put all your poo in a volcano and then it erupts and then the whole thing (laughs) is destroyed and flooding with poo. Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah, the, the the problem was, I think it was five out of six of the pumping stations. Mm-hmm. They were downstream, but not further enough downstream. So when the um, tide came in and pushed the water back up, the little poos would infect the people's drinking water and the intakes. <laughs> so obviously a new improved sewer plan was needed, one far superior and on a massive scale. So step in. Chief Engineer Frank Foster to save the city, hero of the people! <laughs> he promptly died of stress in 1852. Oh. So in step Joseph Bajouzet, who had previously suffered a breakdown of his own due to overwork. Not looking promising, is it? Nope. 
However, by 1856, he had completed his epic plans for reworking London's sewers. And in a great piece of planning and foresight, Bajoyet designed the main sewers to be double the size they required so that they would support a growing population in the future. Mm -hmm. Actually still used today, many of them. Uh, here's a picture of people down in the sewers. Interesting work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Imagine building these tunnels underground without any real modern construction equipment. Watch this rushing water there. Yeah, they've got like the smell. thin logs going up this. Mm -hmm. Incredible bit of engineering. <laughs> mm -hmm. His plans wouldn't come cheap though. They would cost over six and a half million pounds, which in today's money would go into hundreds of millions. Can you imagine the scale of it though? Trying to connect every building, every home in a city of millions to a sewer system. I mean, imagine all the disruption that would be there, like all the roads being dug up and these tunnels being dug and, and I know things being rerouted all the time. It's just Lots of materials as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, there were 318 million bricks used <laughs> in the construction. Um, and there was a new type of cement called Portland cement, which had a different mix. It actually got stronger underwater, um, but it's a little bit controversial when it's used because it had to be precisely mixed, otherwise it could easily lose its um, its strength. So Bazouillet, he implemented a really rigorous mixing procedure and did lots of testing um, to ensure that they had the perfect combination of ingredients and each batch was tested to ensure it's up to spec. And I think it's um, really easy for people to miss these incredible engineering achievements, such as the sewer system or the utilities networks, because they're hidden from view. But they're amazing, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Really. I think every home on this island connected to fresh running water and electricity and all of our waste gets taken away. I mean, that's amazing, really. Mm -hmm. And they don't get that appreciation, I don't think. So you don't see it. So they were building the railways in London at the time. So in this image, you can see a rail underground railway being done there, and there's mm -hmm. the pipes coming through. Then the embankments that are along the River Thames, they were actually built to hold some of these sewer channels. Um, so they'd run parallel to the river itself. So benefit of the system along with these sewers was actually these lovely wide open spaces by the river. It's pretty cool. To avoid the aforementioned tidal issue, and allow future growth, he actually placed the sewer outlets 24 kilometers or 15 miles further downstream than the originally proposed location. So again, really good forward planning there. Mm -hmm. But of course, you've got to um, get the sewers to travel in a direction, don't you? So you have to slope them. And they actually went down really gently at 38 centimeters a kilometer. <laughs> so how, how do you even measure that? I don't Without know. like modern big, lasers. A big ruler. Yeah. Um, and that would yeah, move the sewage um, down towards um, the outlets. But because of that, this gentle slope, there were several points along the journey where it actually had to be raised up. I think it's six metres or something it had to be raised up so it could then start sloping down again. So they made pumping stations and they actually housed the largest steam engines in the world at the time. And here's a photo of one and how do you describe that? Pretty. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's beautiful. So this is a station for pumping poo, <laughs> basically. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you wouldn't get architecture and design like that today, would you? Mm -mm. Not particularly not for um, like a utilities building. I think it was a time when kind of these great engineers um, that they met in the middle with artists and craftsmen and artisans, and they were really celebrated. And I think it's a shame we 
maybe we don't have all of that today. Now this pumping station in Crossness, um, it was actually aimed by the future King Edward VII, with the Mayor of London and the Archbishop of Canterbury in attendance. So it says kind of how important mm-hmm. it was. Could you see the Queen opening a um, sewage treatment plant or something today? By 1875, the project was completed and Bazouquet was knighted for his tireless work and effort in leading this monumental undertaking. And Punch magazine personified him as Bazouquet the Sewer Snake. Uh, It's not the nicest name, but he's made out of pipes. Yeah. And the Thames Embankment is shown there as well. That's that's how he's remembered. Okay. Well, no, he's remembered better than that, actually. So in 1891, he died, oh. but his legacy lives on to today, as his sewers are still in use. Historian John Doxett stated, He probably did more good and saved more lives than any single Victorian official. Some praise there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But what of the miasma? Did moving the poop downstream cure it? Let's see. No. Oh. Do you know why? No. Miasma isn't real. Cholera isn't transmitted by bad air, but rather by bacteria in the water. In 1854, physician John Snow noted a large number of deaths around a water pump in Broad Street, Soho. He also reasoned that cholera, as it affects the intestines, must be ingested, not breathed in. So how could it kind of travel in bad smells? He removed the handle from the pump and alas, the number of deaths dropped. The water had been contaminated by a nearby cracked cesspool. He had the proof he needed. When he published his findings, they were ignored by the authorities. Of course miasma is true. I mean, it's it's the belief for 2,000 years. What a fool thinking it could be transmitted by water. However, maybe if people had listened, plans would have been drawn up a little bit sooner and a lot of life saved because the water of the Thames became known as monster soup. <laughs> and I've got a diagram, actually from 1828 here, of a lady looking through a microscope or something at some um, Thames water. And what does it look like? <laughs> it's like lots of sea monster bacteria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's quite funny. It's great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. She looks horrified. She does. <laughs> I'm drinking this! Oh! <laughs> Thankfully, Bazalgette's fantastic sewers cleared the river and the water, so then the bacteria in the water, mm-hmm. of um, all the contamination of the sewage, and many, many lives were saved, and they still are to this day. Now, Antana, as a special treat to really bring the history to life, <laughs> I've recreated the famous Thames River water for you. Uh. So um, follow me. We'll be back in a moment. Okay, we're in the garden recording on the phone now and it's a gorgeous late September evening, isn't it? Uh-huh. And just hidden over here, I've got the Thames, um, what was it called again? Monster soup for you. Yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared as well. There's actually a fly buzzing around it. Oh, there's a oh. dead fly in it. You just killed the fly. Oh, smell that. <laughs> Is that revolting? Yes. How, how does it smell? Like, Come back. Actually, like, yeah. Okay, now we're going to... Do you want to know how I made this? It's very authentic. How did you make it? You don't want to know, actually. Um, 
People might find this disgusting, but this is no different to what happens every day in many homes. Right, it smells, but we're going to take some and look at oh it under God. the microscope. <laughs> I spilled it accidentally. This is a problem. Um, I was actually going to say that during the... <laughs> during the... Um, during the Great Stink, there'd be times when they'd say that the wind would change direction in the city and actually people would start vomiting. That's how bad it was. I think my monster suit might have been a bit too effective. I think the um, rotting onions in there yeah. <laughs> pushed Anton over the edge. Yeah, but I've, I've put my um, lockdown mask to good use again. You have. Um, and we've actually collected a small sample of it here to do some science, because this is all in the name of science. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in the microscope. And I can't see much swimming around in there, but if you have a look, Anton, it looks like some little eggs or something. Oh, yeah. So can you see the monster soup? Yep. Do look like some sort of eggs. <gasps> can you see anything else in there? Whoa! Have a look at that. Okay. That might just be a bubble, I reckon. Oh. oh. Well, bubbles up place look cool anyway. But I thought that was some sort of giant monster. Oh, I've got green stuff. If you zoom a bit deeper in, just a tiny twist, there's little green things in there, which might be because I used... Um, some rainwater that had been sat in a pot for ages and full of algae. I reckon I might have lost all the living creatures when I knocked the jar over. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll have to do the experiment and again. We'll keep you updated in, the next, uh, in another episode, maybe. If we haven't died of cholera. Yeah. I've got some on my hands. Uh... Right, we are back in the studio now, and I think my um, Thames monster suit was a little bit too good. Yeah, it was like the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life, ever. So if I ask you that original question again, what's the worst thing you smelled? <laughs> you got a new answer. Yep. Um, quite a bit swimming around in it as well, which is good, and we have some photos in this show notes. <laughs> Sorry about that, that was revolting. Down below. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, anyway, on to my segment, which is pollution. Yeah, but it's keeping with the watery topic. Mm-hmm. The pollution problem is global and beginning to become out of control. It's caused when discarded plastics, which can take hundreds of years to break down, are washed, blown or thrown into the sea. Here are some of the main polluting countries. Mm-hmm, so it's plastic pollution, yeah. or pollution of the oceans. Mm-hmm. So we've got China at the top, smashing anyone else. No one's contending with that sort of pollution. Then we've got Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam and Sri Lanka, the top five. Yeah, and looking at that there, it shows that China have got three and a half million pieces of marine debris. Is that every year that they're putting into the water? So that's so much. Yeah, that is ridiculous. One of the biggest and deadliest effects of plastic pollution is how it kills wildlife. Mm. For example, on Midway Atoll, there is a massive amount of albatross. However, they are now dying out because of our carelessness. Albatross eat plastic or feed it to their young. They cannot digest the plastic, but still feel full. As a result, they either starve or most likely are poisoned by the toxins. Yeah, I remember you showing me um, some pictures in a documentary on this that you'd watched and I couldn't believe how much plastic there was on the beach of Midway. It's, it's littered with it, mm -hmm. isn't it? It's 
it's like two the two main things there are the birds and the plastic and sometimes you couldn't even tell them apart <laughs> no no so the birds are suffering so much and they're, they well there's hundreds of them just dying it's, yeah. it's actually disgusting I'll, I'll tell you about something uh, something else about that in a moment okay Sadly, there is another way the animals, and possibly humans, can die. Mm. The food chain. Fish, which eat microplastics, are eaten by birds and humans. Three billion people in the world rely on seafood. Imagine three billion people dying because of their own actions. Yeah. Yeah, so that takes me on to what I was mentioning earlier. Mm. You know, the documentary that we watched, mm -hmm. there was pictures there where there was a dead albatross um, and one of the, like, care... Um, the protect protectors of Midway Atoll mm -hmm. uh, cut, cut it open. Literally plastic. There was It was weird because they almost had no insides, like, that was meant to be there. Yeah. It was just all plastics. I guess they get confused. They see, I know, it reflecting in the sun and it looks a little bit like a fish or something. And they, mm -hmm. yeah, as I said, they pick it up and feed it to the young. Then with the micro and the nanoplastics in the water, which they will be eaten by, what was it, the plankton? Yep. So it, it's like absorbed. That's how mm -hmm. small the nanoplastics are. Yeah. Uh, they're absorbed by the plankton. Mm -hmm. And then the microplastics are like, they're bigger than the nanoplastics, but they're, I don't know, a plastic bucket. It could be a shard from that. Um, yeah, it looks a bit like fish food, I guess, but mm -hmm. you put in an aquarium. Uh -huh. And then if you imagine, I know, a, a bird catching 10 fish and then that's going to have 10 fishes worth of plastics inside it. Mm -hmm. That's 10 bottle lids. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the massive, is it the garbage patch it's called, isn't it, in the Pacific? Yeah. Which is... There's a Pacific one and is I think... bigger than France? One, but... Yeah, but it was three Frances. Yeah. That's how big it was. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's a lot of waste. Mm -hmm. So, I think yeah, it was either, I think it might have been the Atlantic, Russia, the Pacific. I knew that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, do you think there'll be a plastic layer? What do you mean a plastic layer? Are we going to be called the Plastic Age? Will future geologists find a plastic layer in the Earth's crust? Quite probably. Yes, I actually remember. A couple of years ago, reading an article, and I can't remember what it's called now, so there's some proper scientific name, but they were saying that there will be a new type of rock from the compressed plastics. There's mm -hmm. so much of it there, yeah, which, uh, yeah, future geologists will find. I mean, shows how much stuff is sticking out there. Mm -hmm. I think it started with a P and it was very long. Yeah. That yeah. special word. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I think that wraps up for my segment, mostly. Yeah. So, well, hopefully, there'll be people who will. Well, there are people helping with this problem, mm -hmm. aren't there? Such as Boyan Slat, our 2019 Man of the Year, or Person of the Year. Uh-huh, which um, we haven't done since. So. No, no. <laughs> um, who heads up the ocean cleanup, and they, they're doing it mainly in rivers, but they're also looking at cleaning up the oceans, which is obviously fantastic stuff. So make sure that you dispose of your plastic or try and minimise your usage where possible. Mm -hmm. But the, the, I suppose there could be like a, an alternative uh, for plastic, because there's silicon or silicone, mm. um, which can be made into a sort of plastic alternative, but what we and very reusable, mm -hmm. and it's the second most um, common resource element 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 yeah um, yeah in the world Earth's crust that's right yeah um so it, it's there's plenty for of it yeah um, and other bioplastics as well mm -hmm. made out of corn and all sorts so but the bad thing about those bioplastics is you might have to cut down some rainforest mm -hmm. which is destroying the world in another way exactly a big monoculture for growing it all so it's a big problem 
and everybody can do their little bit to help because we're all little cogs in a big machine. A little bit to help us would be reviewing us at... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you caught me off guard there. Yes, if you want to help the show, like you could help the planet, um, you can review us on Apple Podcasts, please, or Podchaser, or various different places. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also follow us on social media, can't you? Where's that, Anton? To put you on the spot now. <laughs> At CurieChardPod mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yep. Pretty much it there. Yep. You can visit our store, um, shop.thecuriosityofachild.com. Or the website, which is thecuriosityofachild.com. That's right, yeah. And um, we're also part of the That's Not Canon Network. Um, And they've got loads of great shows, and I'm going to insert one of their trailers here. Hello, friends. My name is Patrick Little, host of A Little History Podcast. If you like to learn about history a little differently, then A Little History Podcast has you sorted. Join me for Season 1, titled A Mythology Apology, as we discuss some of humankind's oldest stories. Nothing is off-limits as we tackle some of the well-known and not-so-well-known stories from various mythologies and folklore from around the world. We've got a house on chicken legs, a bloke with a hundred eyes, a talking frog, plenty of shit kings, and gods and goddesses doing what gods and goddesses do. All this and more is waiting for you just to click away. Sometimes I'll have a guest coming in cold, and sometimes it's just you and me. So drink them if you got them, and join us for a bit of shit <coughs> talking and a lot of fun. My name is Patrick Little, and this is a Little History Podcast. It's our history, but like you've never heard it before. And also keep a lookout for Season 2, coming later in 2021. That was good, wasn't it? Uh-huh. That random show that I inserted, but I haven't decided on one yet. <laughs> Do you know what else is good? Hmm. My YouTube channel. Your YouTube channel, yeah. Search for the Curiosity of Gaming on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Jolly, jolly good. And that's probably a wrap, I think, for mm-hmm. this show. I apologise for the smell. And <laughs> I also apologise for knocking it open the garden. And um, I'm basically making a wasteland for the next thousand years. <laughs> The people who like next get the house are going to be wondering why it's so smelly. Yeah, it's just a dead patch mm-hmm. of lawn. <laughs> yep. Anyway, that's a wrap, I think. See ya. Yeah. Bye. Love you.